Well, hello, and welcome hey. to a new episode. Thanks for tuning it's, in. Yeah, how about this? We exchanged hurricane weather for uh, a lot of heat, a lot of heat in yeah. Southern California. I mean, who who's who's saying global warming isn't real? Like it's a hundred, it's over a hundred degrees here in San Fernando Valley, and um, by the weekend it's supposed to be seventy. Yes. I don't. Well, a lot of people get confused with global warming. You know, they make jokes about it who don't believe in it. But global warming is extreme weather conditions in either direction. Like there were times where we're going, man, it's pretty cold in Southern California. It's the same thing. But like, you know, right now, Florida is supposed to have this giant hurricane. And yeah. I feel like telling everyone I know in Florida, hey, don't worry about it. We've been through it in Southern California. It was a piece of cake. You know, of course, oh, no, they're getting the hit hard. They have <laughs> they have like no electricity. They're getting flooded oh. out. Yeah, they're they're getting a little hit a little harder than we did. Uh, definitely so, a real hurricane. Yeah, yeah, they're getting yes. a real one. Last week, I had brought on the um, the Christian Dior lip oil, the cherry yeah. cherry oil lip oil, and I was talking about a dupe, and I couldn't find it. Well, it was right in front of my face as my daughter showed me, but it's okay. So this is the dupe from um, Amazon. And you can actually get it with the little thing on the top. I just didn't care about that. But it's they 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 have the same writing on it. It's um, it's lip glow, and they're both made with the cherry oil. They're both made um, with all the same ingredients. This one, the dupe, is um, made by a company called I want to say Maypure M A E P E O R. It's Amazon's choice. It's a whopping eight ninety nine. folks. $45, $45, $8.99, $45, $8.99. So um, they feel exactly the same. They have the same applicator. They come in various colors. There's also other brands. Once you click on this, you know, everybody knows how Amazon works that it, um, you know, it will say similar products, um, all $8.99, total steal, totally worth it. And uh, I... I, I highly, highly recommend it. People love the fact that you're sharing, you know, all the time. And then as, as our guest last week was saying, just check the back. It's so many things are exactly the same and you're helping so many people out. And I think it's pretty cool. I, I don't think a lot of people who have made their living in front of a camera would share information on how to basically look the way you want to look or do the things you want to do and you can find the- it cheaper. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did that after he said that, you know, I was like, yeah, that's true. So I went and looked at the ingredients on this dupe one and um, they look good, look yep. good, feel good. Yeah, I'm into it because and plus you lose them all the time or, or if you use it a lot, it goes so fast. So to spend, you know, 45 with tax, everything, it's over $50, you know, opposed to $8.99 delivered. That's kind of a big deal. Um, and you're sharing it with your daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like replacing them i'm swapping them out um but yeah that's 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 the way it goes so um what else what's going on with you boy i tell you what it's uh you know summertime i haven't done the usual beach deal like one thing about living in southern california is you always like to know the beach is there and i haven't been able to go like i'm completely have the tan that's where my sleeve goes and then okay. why does it go but my goal in the the last month of so-called summer for people who don't live in southern california september really is the hottest month of the year is to get to the beach love when i'm at the beach I don't have my phone with me it's the one time i really feel relaxed but I, you know want to appreciate it and i don't know about you nicole because you've lived in you know california basically your whole life 
I cannot figure out directions once I leave California. Like at least with the West, I know that's where the water is. And when I go to somewhere, it could be Nevada, it could be Arizona. I am so lost on directions that I have to use my phone all the time because I need at least one of them to know where I'm going West. And then when I go back East, like, you know, you have family that's back in New York. I get confused that the water's on the East and, and then New York oh. is crazy confusing because there's water on both sides. You're on an Island basically. Yeah. And I, I have the worst sense of direction. I realize as I get older, I have no idea where I am outside of living in, in Southern California. I can't figure anything out. You know what? I kind of am more of a visual person. So if I go somewhere, yeah. I know how to get back visually. I don't think of like East, West, North, South. I don't really think about that unless I'm getting on the freeway here. Um, you know, and then I'm like doing the North weed, you know, um, which way am I going? Uh, but you know, and, and I rely so much on the navigation these days because it just, you can then have a conversation in the car and you're not like forgetting where you're going. Cause I don't know about you, but me and the girls can get to chatting. And before you know it, I'm like in San Diego and I'm like, wait, (laughs) 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 where we go? What happened here? So, um, yeah. So I, you know, I just kind of try to do it by, um, by visuals. I have a question for you because it's, I've yeah. been watching the news and just going, I don't get it. What is the big deal about a little league baseball team winning a championship? Like why this big, huge hoopla, like what parades, um, uh, yeah. flying around the United States? Like what? These are kids. These are kids. So this is a big deal. You're talking to a guy that's been a baseball coach for 30 years. And I coached like 45 little league teams. Like I donated a ton of time to coach and even just little league baseball. Now my high school coach, but this is a big deal because even though it happened in your area, basically in El Segundo, meaning Los Angeles, there are over 8,000 little leagues in the world. And the fact that one team won it at an 8,000 and happened to be in Los Angeles, it, it is a big deal. And it's memory. It's I'm always for coaching. It, it, wins and losses are great, but I'm all for great childhood memories. If we can help create great childhood memories, and now these kids on that team have it for the rest of their lives, there's a family, there's a bond. It is really, really cool. I, I don't know. I, I love it. I watch it every single year. I, I think it's awesome. Okay. I mean, I, I think it's great. I mean, super excited for them. Yeah, that's a huge accomplishment. I just don't understand making such a big deal about it. And then I heard one of the kids say this is a chance in a lifetime. I'm like, what are they, 12? How old are they? They're like, they're like it can't be over 15. And I'm like, a 12. chance in a lifetime? You're setting this kid up for disappointment because if this is, you know, if this is the best time of his life, he's pretty screwed. <laughs> You know, like, where do you go from here? So I, that's the mom in me just like, oh, my gosh, pipe down. But I guess uh, I guess because, you know, sports generate so much money that that's why. And people probably have their eye on these players. Right. Well, let me ask you a, a question on this. Well, a lot of the guys, by the way, who make it in Little League and are really good now, they don't become professional baseball players. Most of them don't. So not very often that it happens because puberty happens, bodies change, and a lot of kids don't get better from this point on. This is it. But does it bother you as someone who's a child actor? Does it bother you that ABC and ESPN, Disney make a ton of money off of those two weeks of broadcasting games and the kids get nothing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, millions yes, of dollars. Of We're talking millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, isn't sports like that anyway? Aren't players, don't they get like penalized and things taken away if they accept any kind of endorsements or money? Not anymore. They become a pro before, they, before they're pro. No, they changed it the last couple of years. NIL. 
uh, oh. name, image, likeness. So you do get paid. College athletes now get paid. High school players can get take, paid. Like, for instance, you can't take um, sponsorship like money for housing and stuff like that. I just saw somebody, they were talking about their, his Heisman Trophy being taken. Oh, Jerry, uh, was it? Reggie Bush. Bush? Reggie Bush, Reggie right? Bush. That, um, yeah, that was before the new rules. Oh, okay. Okay, that's good. That's good to know because I don't keep up on that. Yeah. But I always thought, man, that is just wrong that you can't, you know. Uh, anything to make your life better and easier if you're going to, you know, sports to me is like, a, an, it's such a wild thing, that, but it's, a, it, people love it. People who love it, love it. It generates a lot of money. It is what it is. I don't have to understand it, but I do understand how corporations work and how all of this works. Yeah. So I just always thought, yeah, that's just crazy that you can't take like comfort and take, you know, money. And while you're spending all this money and putting all this energy into, you know, this sports to make these people all this money, why shouldn't they be able to, you know, give you a little kickback? So a, sto a story came to out today. A story came out today that the quarterback at the University of Texas, who's never played a game, is going to make more money this year than the quarterback, professional quarterback, the Cincinnati Bengals, who has been in a Super Bowl. That's oh, how much that money right? he's making off of his name, image, and likeness. That he has that okay. much money coming his way, and he has never even played before. Oh my Kinda god! Crazy. Okay, so this is a good yeah. rule change. Okay, so yes. we like this. name, okay. image, and name, image, likeness. Yes. Wow. All right. Well, good. That's that's good. At least people are starting to share. But yeah, that's too bad about the kids. Does the coach get anything from uh, Disney nope. for Little League? Nothing. They get no, coach Does probably gets in trouble for missing two weeks of work. You know, he has a regular job. He probably gets yelled at when he comes back. Like, hey, this guy's been picking up your shifts. No joke that, you know, you're, you're missing time. See that. Yeah. That that's a real disconnect for me. I don't, yeah. you're going to make a big deal about it. At least like, you know, compensate these people. Yep. Wild, wild. Well, today we've got a great guest. Um, and you know, with everything going on, like, I don't know about you, but like this preparation for this hurricane, it was messing with me. I went to the market and it was like, felt like the pandemic, you know, it was very exactly. pandemic-esque. And I was like, what are we really in store for? You know, like what's going on? And I was like, I don't know if I can take anymore, you know, single mom just trying to like, you know, put on the brave face for the kid. And she's like, what are you doing with all these battery lights and, you know, candles and gloshes? And I was like, no, you know, just in case. But, you know, and luckily it was nothing, but um, it's, it's mentally draining. So, um, we have a great guest who is a psychology specialist. Um, she's got a whole fresh take on, you know, how to deal with stuff. I'll let her explain it because I am no psychologist. Um, but let's introduce uh, Dr. Amy Callen. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, guys. <clears throat> it's really a pleasure to be here. Thanks for, thanks for joining us and giving us a little insight. Give us, um, you know, give us a little rundown on on you and your your practice and all that sure first i have to tell you it, this is a bit of a trip for me because i grew up in palace verdes you probably are both familiar with yeah palace. of course okay yeah and literally on lenata bay like with the bay boys and so i was one of the first girls on this surf team but this is the culture i grew up in and baywatch was like the hottest show that I recall from my childhood. I'm not kidding you. Yeah, I really looked up to you when I was a kid. I was like, Aww. I was like surfer chick. And then it's so funny winding up here as a psychologist because I almost, almost went in the direction of acting. I did acting for a little while. And it was such a crossroads. I actually wound up getting uh, into grad school. 
<clears throat> and the literal day I was leaving, a few minutes before I got in the car to drive up to San Francisco, I got a phone call from this, this agent guy who kept saying he was really interested, blah, 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 blah. But I just kind of, I didn't hear from him. He's like, oh, I just showed your whatever headshot and stuff to so-and-so. We'd really like you to come audition for this show, blah, blah, blah. I'm like getting in the car to leave to go up north to grad school. And I don't even think, I just think it's, it's so interesting, you know, because I, I really am glad with the path I took. I'm also often curious what it would have looked like the other way. I wonder if you ever had moments like this or if you just knew from the beginning. I think you made the right decision. You made the right decision. You're a smart lady in many ways. <laughs> That's why you know what's funny is because surfers like Kelly Slater always hated saying, you know, he hated being on Baywatch and um, oh, he's really? fine with it now, but he always hated it because all of his surfer friends, you know, would make fun of him. So it's funny that you say you were on huh. a surf team and that you watched, but that's so cool that you were on a surf team. I love that so much. Why did they make fun of him? Because it was like this uh, cheesy, you know, like uh, it didn't, it, he played a surfer, but it didn't really like, you know, surfers when they're photographed and they, they have footage, you know, it looks so cool. It's shot by the best. Um, some of those like surf magazine photographers who shot the documentary, actually, um, they do such beautiful footage. And then, you know, you cut to Baywatch and not saying that Baywatch wasn't beautiful, but it was no surf. It was no surf magazine. It was no, um, it, you know, it was, it was kind of like BS as far as the surfing side of it went. And so I think that they just sort of mm. teased him. And I, I, I'm, you know, love, I love Kelly Slater, love you, Kelly, but I don't think he was like the best actor either. That wasn't his jam. So mm. I think that there was just a lot of, um, a lot of teasing of him. So that was, that, that before was, he was, was that before he was like a famous surfer? He was pretty famous already. He was, already, he was making his way up, but um, you know, he was, he was already doing really well. That's how they even hmm. found out about him. Um, so he was already making a name for himself, but I mean, hasn't he been the reigning champ since he was like born? As far <laughs> as like, I remember. Yeah. I don't even so remember. Perhaps, perhaps they were actually jealous of him. You never know. You never know. You never know. That you know. You never know what people's um, intentions and motivations are for teasing, right? That's true. You don't. Although usually, it's, no, it's always coming from somewhere. You just can't tell unless you find out with talking to them, like what I do. Right. And you're still in. You're still a beach girl, right? Yes, my office is in Manhattan Beach, and I actually live in Marina Del Rey. Nice. But I grew up and was living in Palos Verdes through high school till I went to college at UCLA. <clears throat> so you're just like us. You can't leave the water. How often do you actually I visit the I can't leave the water. And you know what? Yeah. I loved San Francisco and I went to grad school and I was like, it's too cold. It's too cold for me in San Francisco. My friends up there from New York were like, what is wrong with you? going down back to the water where it's warm and i don't have to worry about big sharks although now i do because things keep changing and now there's great whites everywhere but yeah so do you actually get on the beach often <laughs> i haven't in a little while i mean especially because there was that you know really crazy hurricane that we had to survive um just kidding <laughs> Have you rebuilt? Are you rebuilding? Um, yeah, yes. I, no one wants to be on the water. 
put my patio back together yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing on my patio even moved. Although I did have a couple plants fall over. Huh? I did have a couple plants fall over. That was oh, the you did. <laughs> love that. I During love that. the earthquake, that was in the middle of it. Yeah, that was the that was the kicker. I that was what was so weird, and it was kind of like without the earthquake, it really would have been such an uneventful day, right? At least that earth, like Mother Nature, was like, "Well, I'm gonna kick your butt with something." Or at least you take this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it off here. So funny. Yeah, that was weird. Bizarre experience. Yeah, it really was. So tell us a little bit about your practice and like your your philosophy. Sure. Um, so I have a private group practice that I built. I've been going strong now about 17 years. It's been a wonderful experience. I've been in the South Bay doing private practice all that time. Uh, in Manhattan Beach now, started a little bit further towards PV, but kept creeping away from it a little bit. Uh, great group of clinicians here. We really love having a space where people are really just genuine, you know, kind of able to speak their mind and there's not a whole lot of fluffy phony stuff that's just how I like it how they like it but um I we specialize in various things but my main specialty is trauma and in particular something sometimes referred to as complex trauma and so essentially I'm sure you've probably heard something like that or it's sometimes referred to as little t trauma or developmental trauma but basically, it's as opposed to like war veteran trauma, where there's, you know, often they come back from war and there's a huge event. Um, complex trauma is a, a, a lot more uh, sometimes kind of invisible to people a lot of the time. It sort of happens chronically over time during development, and it's hard to notice. And it doesn't even have to be that anyone is like, has negative intentions or anything. It's, it can simply be a lack of emotional attunement, which that's a word I know we use in psychology that isn't necessarily in the actual dictionary. So by the way, if I say any of those, please feel free to have me de-jargon it or something. <laughs> but attunement, emotional attunement, especially like essentially means um, responding, being able to respond to one's emotions in a way that is soothing. So like when your baby cries or, you know, you do your best to figure out what the need is and then you meet the need and uh, if they're upset, you try to soothe them, right? And, but let's say for example, you have a mother who is depressed and has her own history of trauma and hasn't been able to work through it. Babies are incredibly perceptive. So this starts very early and they will pick up on slightest facial expressions, tone of voice, and very early on can learn that their needs, for example, might be too much of a burden or they might uh, threaten the, this really important bond they have with the caregiver. So what happens is a lot of the time, really from the beginning, for so many reasons, a person's authentic emotions, which makes up who we are essentially, our how we really feel about things, what we need. People learn to um, push those down in order to maintain the needed bond with the caregiver. Mm -hmm. And this later on, as this goes on, and depending on various circumstances, 
can later on present as so many different things. I mean, people show up here, I work with people with eating disorders, with depression, with mood stuff, with, um, I mean, all kinds, a whole range. And I could safely say 99.9, maybe 100%. I mean, it kind of, in my view, comes back to some sort of missed attunement. And I want to be clear, it's really not like parent blaming. It's more about trying to finally understand the person's real experience. Because our body remembers everything we've experienced, even all the emotions we put push down. And so when it's disconnected, they wind up coming up later in weird ways that we can't recognize. That's why that's that word trigger actually comes from this, but people have overused that to death. So it basically has no meaning anymore, but essentially what that is. You know, I, I um, was reading um, while you got here. I think that I believe that's what it's called. Um, and um, I'm actually listening to it. It's my first audio book. And I'm, I, I read pretty oh. quickly. So audio books are hard. But it's how you got here. And um, Oprah is narrating it. But um, they talk about that, the same thing you're talking about, but they call it inherited, inherited trauma. Right? Is that the same well, thing? There, that's another element. Yeah. I mean, it's. I would say that part of it, it kind of has to be because we also arrive and we inherit all sorts of trauma from our ancestors, not even just like not genetically necessary necessarily, but when trauma has to stay repressed and often that's also the case in order to survive. Like if you go through an intense trauma and you're a little kid and there's no one around to help you deal with the emotions, your, your brain literally walls it off in order to survive. That's why most of the time when people begin therapy with me and there's been a history of trauma, inevitably they'll say either they don't really remember much from their childhood or they'll say, I, I don't remember much from my childhood and I don't remember anything before the age of blank. And then later on, we usually find out what happened at that age. And, or they say, I had a very happy childhood. And then as a little time goes on, proceed to tell me very fact factually all these really intense things where I'm like oh my gosh it's starting to sound really awful but they kind of are detached from it as they're talking about it and insisting that it was very happy and would feel great uh, ungrateful if they were to say anything negative about it right you know I can really relate to that because I um I suffered some trauma when I was younger and I really put it in a box and shelved it and put it away and didn't really think about it denied that it ever happened for most of my mm -hmm. life until I finally was like no like that this is so unhealthy you know when somebody asked it, they just asked me the right question one day and I just mm -hmm. was like let's open that box let's let's get that down off the shelf and I think that um and you know, you don't have to like, I think people just need to be more open to getting mental health care in mm -hmm. however that is for them. Because I think people don't realize like what you're saying in that yeah. you, because you, you do block it out and you, you don't realize that it's been passed on or, you know, this has triggered that and you just don't remember. And I think that a lot of people um, have such a negative connotation when it comes to mental health care. And it means that you're crazy or it means like, Absolutely. you know, you're in turmoil or, or something like that instead of just, you know, taking it like people go to the gym to work on their bodies, right? People eat healthy to not get ill. You know, it's, it's all part of the body and taking care of Absolutely. it. You wear comfortable shoes so you're not in pain. I mean, we take care yeah. of ourselves in every way, yeah. but some reason there's a stigma on taking care of your brain and your emotions. And I find that so baffling. 
it is such an important point you're bringing up because it's even that that still is pretty powerful. I mean, it's less than it used to be, but I think something that relates to that is also how we as a, maybe as a country, I think have sort of come to almost like understand emotions less or something. I want to believe it used to be <laughs> different. I don't know, but in a lot of ways, it feels a bit like a, a silent epidemic to me. What I mean by that is, um, so from my view, our emotions drive everything that we do. So like they tell us who we are, they tell us how we feel about things, you know, and most people seem to have very little vocabulary for their emotions or have a hard time even accessing them or knowing how to talk about them. Um, this can be for a number of reasons, but it's, it really blows my mind that this is not something integrated naturally into the schools, uh, school system right from an early age. I mean, with this being, we're really in a severe mental health crisis right now. The suicide rates are higher than they've ever been. I mean, yeah. just it's unbelievable. I think last year there were, 50, I think 50,000 deaths is what the CDC recorded. 50,000 people killed themselves yeah. in this country. And then same thing, I've been following the gun violence, the mass shooting stuff for um, maybe 10, 15 years now, and every year it's gone up steadily. And now it's at a point where it's not only every day, it's several times a day. And it blows my mind too, because I keep listening to hear if some, like are people starting to talk about or understand maybe some of the things we need to do preventatively, because I have a lot of ideas about that, but I don't hear that being talked about a lot of times it just kind of exemplifies how much people seem to not understand mental health or even i don't even use terms anymore like mental illness there's the, there's really not this black and white it's not like over here you are ill and over here you are healthy we're on a continuum that's part of what has stigmatized it same with emotion yeah. it's like people will maybe have learned that expressing anger is bad and makes them a bad person if they feel angry. This is actually kind of nuts if you think about it, if you understand that emotions are just, they naturally come up. They're not the thing we can control. This this gets, conf so emotions and behavior get conflated a lot, like as if they're one thing. The behaviors we can control, not the emotions. So our emotions are whatever they are, they're all okay. If you get angry, even if it's rage, whatever. The choice we have is how we respond to the emotions. This is a thing I think people really kind of have to grapple with or struggle with at first. So like if I am feeling very angry with someone, I have lots of choices, but only if I have awareness first that I'm really angry, you know, feel it in your body. And then I can choose to go and yell at them, although that's probably not gonna have a great result. I can take deep breaths and walk away and come back and talk to them later. I can go work out, blah, 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 blah. Right. And that will affect how you feel later on, but that's where the choice is. And so even when I hear things talked about, like choose happiness, you know, or good vibes only, or only like, there's like a, it's almost like people just kind of got confused or something and ran with it. Like the idea of, of how, trying to be happy all the time is very unhealthy and unnatural. But then it's almost inevitable. Every person I work with, there's like a layer of shame over their emotions. And that right. is something that we are not born with. The shame about how we feel, that's something we're taught, we learn. And that helps yeah. keep the emotions buried. 
do you think that so like say somebody um has uh they react off their um emotions like you were saying their behavior is that they act out right so i get mad at you i yell at you then i probably have created more anger and more shame inside myself huh? because i know what i've done i probably shouldn't have done that right? right i you know it's like now you're ashamed that you just yelled at somebody and you know made a huge scene and now you're in a fight and if it's a loved one they won't talk to you and it's like it's such a snowball mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it happens so fast. Usually you really have to slow it down to even understand that, like, there's an event happening. Then there's your emotional experience in response to it. Then if you're aware of your emotions, you can decide how you want to respond and think about what might happen if you respond that way. That really requires slowing it down. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like, it's you know, I was I was saying to Nicole before you, you you joined us, we were talking, you know, about you know basically you know what's going on, and we we heard us on the show talk a little bit about Little League. Yeah. As a as a baseball coach, I was saying to Nicole that in 2020, when the pandemic happened and the kids were sent home and and they stayed at home until you know they they came back and they came back with masks and again, um, I mean, all in favor of, of you know not passing along, but you couldn't read the as you said the facial expressions, facial you know what people yeah. are doing. It's a huge learning process, but in 2021, you know, half the kids, I had 16 players on my team, half the kids attempted suicide. And half the kids 50%. And I couldn't share with other kids, you aren't the only one going through this, but you know, mm -hmm. I knew the story, but yet it was so scary. Kids throwing themselves in front of trains and doing other oh, horrible things. And it was literally like, are we going to make it through the year to the banquet where nobody <laughs> dies? And it was very scary well uh, from what from what you said honestly i do believe what they're kind of teaching now in to, to make things a little bit better and connect and understanding that there's a there's a problem at least the school that i'm associated with we're creating better people sharing you know hey when you're having a, a tough mental day is going to be a, a better human being in the future the problem is the guys who are older the guys who are my age don't understand they take it as a sign of weakness yes. and they make yes. and they make jokes about it and oh it, no. and, and until those people like move on or die off i don't think we're going to have the society we want because there's a major barrier there of the guys who have the money and the guys who are going to be hiring are the ones that say just put your head down and go through and and the old category of growing up here and who told you life was fair and get over oh, that those days exactly put your head down and, and do your job and yeah. but i think we're creating better people everything you said 100 makes sense to create a better human being but i think there, there's a major barrier there where the people who are going to be doing the hirings and taking care of those people for the next 20 years think you're you're a weak person and do i want to have a weak person working for me well yeah i i agree with you and that is a big part of the problem i also will say I've had a, sh a fair share of those kind of people with those kind of beliefs who've been have grown up that way come into my office dealing with something that they're not sure why it's happening, but they need help with it. And we will, this has happened a number of times, uncover, we'll get to some of these ideas and beliefs and I'll, it'll look like I'll be sitting in session, something will come up really painful and I'll be watching them like trying their best to hold down the pain and or the you know whatever it might be tears and if they're able to answer when i ask you know like what's what's going on it looks like you're in pain right now but are you allowed to be a lot of times they'll be able to say well no that that means i'm weak believe it or not a lot of women actually will say this too i mean there's a lot of ideas about this 
when the, the paradox is in truth, it is a lot more courageous to really face your emotions. Part of the reason we run from them is because they can feel so powerful and scary that it can seem like they're going to just be unbearable. And trauma, when their emotions from trauma, they are unbearable until they're able to be experienced with a empathic other who is able to be with them in it without judgment and without telling them that what they should do or how to fix it because actually nothing needs fixing. This is the, this is another really key point. The thing that actually helps emotions move through us is emotional validation. Like, so when we feel, you can probably both relate to this. When we feel like if you're having a hard time dealing with something, something's very painful. If you can feel like you're being seen, like genuinely seen, heard, um, understood on an emotional level and the person is is with you and really not trying to problem solve or do any of that that is the most helpful healing thing we can do for one another and that's true whether we're kids whether we're adults the cool thing is even neuroscience now shows that that kind of attunement not only can change adult brain functioning it changes the structure of the brain so that kind of emotional attunement is like an antidote for a lot of what is going on right now. And I think social media, unfortunately, it has played a big role in making people more isolated, less really connected when what we need is more real human connection and community. And I think there's probably a way we can start to try to use it to increase real human connection, because that's actually what's needed. It's sort of like, if you've heard of failure to thrive syndrome, that's when babies literally die when they're not being held or given enough affection. They stop eating yeah. and they die. Then we learned that in World War II. Or like there's a monkey, famous monkey experiment. Have you ever heard of this? Or two wire monkey yeah. mamas. One of them is, you've heard of it? Well, One of them I, is yeah, well, just, go ahead, tell the story. I'm sorry. I, I, I took psychology in college, so <laughs> I did hear this. Go ahead. Real quick. Um, they're monkey mamas, but they're made out of wire. And then there are baby monkeys that are real. And the one wire monkey is very soft. It has this like really soft fur attached to it. And the other one has milk. And so they let the monkeys just kind of, they watch what they do over and over. And they... Each time the monkey goes immediately to the soft mummy. And they only go over to the other one when they're really, really hungry and they need food and they'll, they'll tiptoe over, they'll get the milk, they'll run right back to the huh. sort of, you know, showing. Again, we, we need to feel loved in a way that is like we're accepted for who we are, that we can be authentic because we need that and we need human connection and attachment. But a lot of times those two things wind up getting pitted against each other. We also know that this winds up, when we repress emotion, it also, scientific, this is fact, if it stays that way, it will turn into disease in some right. form or another eventually. That's just the science. But here's a real twist. Why is it that we know all this? I mean, doctors are talking about it, like Gabor Mate, if you've heard of him as an example. We have all this evidence of research, yet doctors are still not being taught 
they don't not only do they not have a course on anything about trauma and how it affects the body where there should be like a five-year thing not even one class so they never even yeah. ask their patients about trauma because it's all about money right it's all about just prescribe them this and you know well, let's just treat the disease once they have it because it makes us millions and millions of dollars if you put people into therapy and help them with their trauma well then they lose a shit ton of money correct which Am is I probably why yeah totally which is probably why insurance companies love to push this like short-term kind of uh, these days it's really like the big push I think from insurance companies is to do more short-term therapy. That's like almost as if we're robots and like you're going to do a workbook and here do this homework. But the, the real thing is we also have this knowledge. I don't know if everyone forgot, but the, above all, the most important thing in any relate in any therapy that's going to be pr um, productive or effective is the relationship. It's the relationship. It's how you feel with the other person. Like you mentioned someone asked you a certain question, like the right way, I think you said or something, and you were like, yeah. okay, I'm ready to deal with this. I would, I would bet and tell me if I'm wrong, that you also felt some sort of emotional safety with that person. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I did. Because, you know, I grew up... In, my parents were in World War II in London, in England and Germany. And so, you know, for me, it was always, I, I grew up with that kind of parenting where you, what do you have to be upset about? Look at your life. Oh, yeah. What are you oh, complaining yeah. about? You know, so I was always taught to oh, repress. So when I, when anything traumatic happened to me, I was, I would tell my inner child would tell myself, you have such a good life. What are you complaining about? Right. Cause it was just, there's the shame about your feelings. There's the shame part. Yeah. And when yeah. I first started going to therapy, my mom got angry with me. And instead of saying like, good for you working on yourself, she got angry and she goes, and let me guess, you're going to come back and you're going to blame me for everything, you know? Uh -huh. And it was that stigma. And I was like, God, it's so weird. Cause we haven't even talked about you yet. You know, it's <laughs> like, um, she was a bit of a narcissist anyways, but it was like, we haven't even taught, we haven't even got there yet. And I already feeling better. We're talking about things about me, not about, you know, you. So it's just, yeah, there's that shame. And I was raised that way. So yes, when somebody, you yeah. know, I don't know if it was just the right day. I was in the right mood. It was the right person. I don't know what it was, where I'm at in life. It just suddenly, it just like opened. It was like the, you were ready. A too. light came on. Yeah, I was ready. Yeah. 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 I had a similar experience and it was with the right finally founding, finding the right therapist. And also I've been trained um, in contemporary psychoanalysis. That's different from Freudian. Please understand, very, very different. People often confuse that. But um, they require you to go through something of your own analysis with a contemporary analyst. Anyway, I luckily found a really wonderful person that I would say helped me face the stuff I didn't even realize at the time I was running from. And it was the most powerful, impactful shift of my life. And it, it was several years, but it was like sort of leaning into the fear, walking into the darkness, so to speak. By darkness, I don't mean bad. Or, And I don't even think emotions should be categorized as negative or positive. They're all okay. But being able to feel safe enough with this person that we were both in there together, I wasn't being judged and I could actually feel. And so it's like, all the stuff your body's been carrying around, you know, the, the emotional memory. Now there's meaning around it. 
and there's like a, we call it integration. So when this happens, that's what we're aiming for. And you become more of like a whole person because all those split off parts of us, those emotional states that are split off, they're a part of us. We, and so a lot of times we're running from them. We want to kill them off because of the shame, but actually it's like, you don't want to cut off your right arm. Right. Even if you think it doesn't work good. Right. You know, and you're right. People are running from it, hiding it, you know, uh, covering it up, disguising it. I was in my doctor's office and she's just a, she's my general. She's this wonderful lady from India and she's not big on medications and stuff like that. But anyways, while I'm waiting for her, <clears throat> excuse me, she's in the room next door with a guy and I can hear them clearly. <clears throat> and he says, yeah. he starts asking for a medication and she says, I'm your general. Um, you need to go see, you know, your therapist or your psychiatrist or your psychologist, oh, she's whatever. She's a good doctor. She's a good doctor. She said, and you should probably have a number of sessions with them before you start taking any of this kind of medication. And, um, and she said, and I don't prescribe that. That's not my, that's not who I am. So then he asked for another um, prescription for something else. And she goes, well, you need to go see like a cardiologist. I think it was what she said that. And he says something about, these are just simple prescriptions. These are simple medicines. And he starts yelling at her and she loses it. And she's like, she starts getting on her phone and she's like, let me show you something. And I can hear her. And she says, there's no such thing as simple medication. You think it's simple because you're just popping a pill in your mouth with some uh-huh. water. There's black labels on every single one, lists and lists of why medication is bad. And That's she, right. She, made him leave. She asked him to leave and it was wild. And she came in and she vented to me and she's just like, she's like the concept of simple medication. The fact that he could say that she goes, it just really pisses me off because that's not, there's no such thing. I really like you know, her. I know she's really, really, she's cool. really good. I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I'm really impressed and I have a lot of respect for the way she handled that because yes, there are no simple medications and you do you know how many doctors that are not psychiatrists and not trained at all in mental health are prescribing like like gynecologists oh you want some Xanax or oh you want some uh, antidepressant all the time all it's over wild. the place it is wild it's and so also wild. just like he was he's probably wanting to keep running from whatever emotional stuff he hasn't dealt with right and thinking that if i just get the right medication it'll help me avoid that continue to avoid it by the way this is how addiction happens is how all kinds of eating disorder blah blah blah. there's no such thing as simple emotional worlds either if you've lived on this planet and you're an adult and gone through all these experiences there's a complex emotional world under there that we kind of are afraid of at first but is actually it's like the golden compass ready to show you who you really are and get to live a much richer life yeah I, I love that. I love your your whole philosophy. And I, I, you know, thank you for coming on. And like, people really need to be more comfortable with embracing everything that they've got going on, and know that it's it, what make it's what makes you beautiful. It's what makes you you. And how boring would it be if we really all were just happy? <laughs> it would really be so all, boring. We're perfect, and we're so all so boring. happy. Boring. We so also wouldn't be able to have. Yeah. We wouldn't have any real deep connections, the stuff that's the antidote, you know? You actually have to be vulnerable and be willing to share what you're really feeling, all of the ones you like and don't like, in order for there to be a real deep connection that's meaningful, created. People feel so much more alive and 
and rejuvenated when that happens. It's really interesting. I'll notice it in practice. Like if I start getting sleepy all of a sudden and I, I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. Usually I'll notice somewhere along the way there became a disconnect in the um, like the emotional connection. And if I can find my way back to it, it's pretty amazing how quickly I will feel awake again. It's like uh -huh. brings energy, the real authentic yeah. connection. Yeah. A hundred percent. And let me just say, people, we would not have comedy. We would not even have humor if it wasn't for the bad stuff. You know, that's or that right. Quote unquote all, bad stuff. Yes. We have the We'd have nothing to laugh about. So have you noticed all the best comedians tend to always also have pretty dark, like other side, you know? Yeah. 100%. And they, or they talk about all the dark, you know, they, they, that's, and somehow yeah. they make it funny and right. they sit there right. and laugh and don't even realize that without it, yeah, the world doesn't go around. So yeah, we're all human. Thank you. You're welcome. I just wanted to say this, this one quote kind of captures a lot of what I, I think is so important. And I can't find the actual author. It always just says Scottish proverb. So I'm sorry, author, if you're out there, please tell me who you are. But it the quote is, they talk of my drinking, but never my thirst. Ha. That's, oh, you kind of gave me chills. You kind of gave me chills. Uh, my, I, I read a, um, a, uh, a book every day called the promise of a new day. And, um, it's sort of an affirmation book, but it's, you know, it's like a message and mine today kind of, you know, back to what you just said, it was, um, about don't do anything in private that you're not willing to like share. Mm -hmm. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, cause it causes shame. And so if you're, if you're doing, if you're making choices that you don't want everybody to know about, and you don't, you're not free to talk about, like, don't do them. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know why it reminded me of that, but it's sort of the same thing of like, you know, think of why you're doing it, not what. Why? The why. Like, right. Which yeah. it's like the focus on diagnoses and symptoms and blah, 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 blah. it's just got to stop without being the emphasis. It doesn't tell us anything about what's happening that led to that. And when you understand what's happening with the person, it's amazing because the symptoms naturally start to go away. I, I can say this. I've seen it happen over and over and over. Love that. And thank you. Thank you for being there for people. And um, again, you. Dr. Amy Callen in, in, in Manhattan Beach, if uh, anybody <laughs> is in the area and needs a great doctor. Uh, um, and so thank you just so much for sharing with us and bringing thank light. Thank you to so this much for having me. You guys are very... Uh, lovely and pleasant to talk with. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you and so you're much. really pretty to look at. <laughs> and so are you. Is she pretty on the outside? She's pretty on the inside. She's smart in the brain. She's got it going on. And She's so are you. So are you. I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the brain. To my entire childhood. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was really cool. I thought that was, uh, that was very neat to have, I think a mental breakdown as far as what goes on through people's minds as we're learning. I mean, we're discovering Nicole, new people, a new way of acceptance, my opinion. And I had this discussion with a, a buddy of mine in the neighborhood the other day where obviously there's a, there's a major homeless problem in San Diego. There's a major homeless yeah. problem in Los Angeles. There's a major homeless problem in San Francisco, New York city. It, it goes on and on and it's continued yeah. to get worse. And it used to be at least, when I was younger and even just a few years ago, cause some of my friends still believe this, those people are just lazy. 
Well, it's not the lazy people exactly. It's the people because there are tons of programs out there now to help the people out who want to change their lives and move in the right direction. There are a lot of programs. It's the mental health is what people want to ignore. And the fact that, you know, we have people like like our guest who is, is pointing out, you have to get in touch with what's going on with your brain. And if you can't figure it out, someone can help you figure it out so you, you can move on to have a successful life. But acceptance is a big deal to understand, hey, you might be making it through day by day, but the person next to you, I guarantee you, someone with an eyesight's not making it through on a regular basis. They're struggling. A hundred percent. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, also, too, think they can't afford health care, uh, mental health care. A lot of people are, you know, like myself as a child, shamed into it. And I think so a lot of people turn to addiction, too, right? Because they maybe they don't have yeah. health insurance and they don't go to a doctor and ask for that little happy pill. So they turn to the streets and um, become addicts. I always wonder because, uh, um, and listen, the truth is that a lot of the homeless people are, I, I see them daily. They're shooting up. They're getting high. They're drinking. Um, I saw a man drinking, rubbing alcohol in the back of the market the other day. And I mean, I was like heaving and I, I, but I felt so horrible for this person. And I always wonder, is it like, is it the addiction that got them homeless or did, were they just struggling mentally that got them homeless? And then they turned to addiction to like make the homeless not feel so bad. Like whatever it is, it's an epidemic and it's horrible. And, um, you know, I think it all goes back to the shame and like what you're saying is that there's help out there, but you know, something else is taking over. There has to be, to me, there has to be more access to it. I mean, I I dealt with a a child who went through severe depression for about four years. And even though we had insurance, they would only see him once every six weeks. In reality, he should have been going probably to a therapist four times a week. And he was on on the brink of suicide over and over again. And, you know, I I told you on this show, there was a time where if you would have told me my son was going to die from suicide, I 100% expected it. But even though we would tell the doctor, look, he needs to see you more than once every six weeks. Well, that's all that the medical plan went for. And we have great insurance and we completely cannot get more appointments. And it it is it's very scary because we worry about today's youth and we worry about today's adults. And there's so many things that people stress out about. But the old school days of, hey, just put your head down and, and bear through it. It's not exactly the right way to go, you know. It's not. And, you know, I see a lot of more, I see a lot more commercials and I do think that mental health care has gotten more accessible. You know, you can do all the online Zooms and there's commercials for it and everything, but it's expensive, right? So it's expensive and the state's not really kicking in for that part. You know, they'll kick in for your groceries and they'll kick in for your free needles, but they're not going to, they're not going to kick in for your mental health care so much. And it's just, you know, it's really, I think that that's sort of where it begins. And, um, it just needs to happen. It should be a requirement that people go to, to to some kind of therapy once a week from a young age. I think so. That's my personal opinion. I I, I loved it, um, and it changed my life. And um, I, I will say it over and over again. I don't know where I'd be if I didn't go. And um, I, I you know I tell my children, do it, go. This is you know it's important. So. I think that would also help take the stigma away from it. I'm not saying it would help everybody and it would work for everybody, but it definitely would, it would work for the majority. I remember I was a a psychology major when I first started college. And I remember one of the first things that, that the professor said was everyone should go to a therapist twice a year. Even if you think you're doing good, it's like going to the dentist for a teeth clinic. You go twice a year just to make sure you're balanced. Even if you think things are going, going well, Hey, let's, let's check it out. 
And uh, and I remember you know, I was 18 years old when I heard this, but the more and more I think about it, I think they were 100% right, you know, just to, yeah. to, to be balanced. What's the and big you deal? You're going to go for your teeth twice here, but not for your brain? Right, exactly. That's that's my point. And the thing is, it's like you don't have to go immediately, you know, reveal all your deep, dark secrets. You know, you can start off small with something that pissed you off last week, you know, and start to unwind there and get comfortable. And then you realize, like, well, I feel so much better about what happened last week just by talking about it. And then you start to, like, open up and open up. And it just creates this comfort, this, this comfortable place, a safe zone, so to speak. And I just think that – um you know, people don't realize that. I think they think they're going to go in and be judged and have to tell everything horrible that ever happened to them. And, you know, they think that it works like that, but it doesn't. You know, you can just baby no. steps. You just go in and talk about, you know, what today this person yelled at me for no reason and I got angry. You know, whatever it is. Um, I think when you start small and then you realize like how healing it is, then you start, then you want to start bringing stuff up and bringing stuff out and you know you're safe and you know it feels good and it's healing and, um, yeah, so I'm a big believer. I'm a huge believer. And I am too. Yeah. I think that was an important show. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that was the direction we went. I think that was great. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to get to today's mailbag and I always say we're running a little bit, bit long, but I want to okay. get to today's mailbag. So, uh, again, if you want to ask Nicole a question, it's easy. All you have to do is go to the website, perfectly twisted pod.com. And right there, Nicole's mailbag is, is right at the top and you can sit there, write a question in or, or more than one. And we'll, we'll try and get it on there. All right, so Nicole, I have five for you. Okay, today. Okay. First one's from Curtis. It says, "What is your favorite kind of movie to be in? Is it action or comedy or drama?" Um, I mean, my first instinct is going to say action because I love action. I love stunts. We've talked about this. I love, I love the energy of it. But you know, the truth is you have to switch it up. Like you, I, I don't have a favorite. So like comedy is so fun for me. I love comedy. I love laughing all day. I love, you know, being around funny people. I love trying to be funny. I love all of that. I think if you just stick to one all the time, it gets really boring, you know, and then the, the drama, sometimes you get sick of laughing and, and you get sick of trying to be funny and you want to just cry. You want to, you know, you be dramatic. So I feel like to me, the perfect, the perfect combination is all of them. It's, it's, it's a combination of all of them. Um, but I do get excited over an action. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. All right. If someone want to put together a movie of your entire life, what actress would you like to play you? Oh. That's oh, always boy. a tough question, I think. That is. Because it would probably be um, probably be a few different actresses, right? Because I, my story starts yes. so young. And now I'm old. Um, <laughs> You're so, old. You would need a young, a middle, and an older. Um, the middle could it be Margot Robbie? <laughs> I like that. You know, That's pretty you know cool. I love her so much. Um, yeah. You know, or or give somebody new a shot. You know, why does it have to be somebody famous already? I like that. that, that Listen, I, my story's not sense. over. There's no life story here yet. I'm not going anywhere. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> All right. This is from Daniel. Um, Nicole, did you ever? Uh, meet Alanis Morissette, just one of the girls? Um, I did, briefly. Briefly, she kind of, um, you know, was the rock star that came on stage, did her, because she was performing in it, and I was in the audience. And um, But yes, in fact, I did, yes. What was she like? Was she nice? Was she, what was she like? Yeah, she was nice. I mean, we were both yeah. really young and uh, we're hectic on set, and she's, you know, performing, and um, I had been punched in the nose 
by another co-star actually broke my nose um wow it was a hectic day let's just say that it was a hectic day for all involved um but the the moment that i met her and everything yes completely completely pleasant and, and as you can see she's grown into you know a wonderful lady and uh yeah yeah she's talented and she's all that beautiful talented she's got it all going on I used to listen to her all the time, but I was like, man, this girl's angry. <laughs> you know, her music. Yep. And I, I I liked it. I mean, I enjoyed it. But at the same time, if you would have said, hey, you have the opportunity to meet her, I think I would have backed away. I think she would have scared me. Okay. So full circle here. Um, yeah. She, you know who she wrote the song about, right? No, no. Okay. It was the guy, the blonde guy. I'm blanking on his name right now from Full House. From Full House. Uh, the, the, Full the, House. Guy, the, the, the guy that did all the voices and stuff. Yes, that's is it. Dave wrote, is it, is it Dave Coulier? Like, that guy? Is that his name? Yes, yes. Yeah. I Holy think that's cow! She wrote the song right. about that guy. So that's who it was about. <laughs> that that's who it's about. Like she was so in love with that guy, but he had been asking me out. He had been trying to get in contact with me to ask me out, and I was like, okay. When I found out that that's who it was about, I was like, well, man, I dodged a bullet. Not yeah. that you know. I, I, it just was like so full circle with the Lannis Morissette that I was That's like, that's yeah, hilarious, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was oh. expecting that song to be about some like, you know, bad boy, but I oh guess bad boys come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? This, I guess so. <laughs> all right. Next question from Daniel. Nicole, are you into astrology? You know, I don't like study it or anything like that. I read about my sign and it's usually spot on. Um, I do believe there's probably something to it somewhere. I'm not a big believer in like, you know, relying on those things or, you know, following my life by those things. But I will tell you that my sign and my description, you know, the whole stubborn, independent, hard worker, you know, OCD, all that, it's, it's a lot of it is very spot on. So. You know, I, I kind of believe in a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of kind of in the same boat, kind of in the same boat as you. Um, final question. Who were your favorite bands and singers when you were a kid? Oh, you know, I was really all over the place. So um, I used to love Fleetwood Mac. Um, I used to love um, Beastie Boys. Yeah. <laughs> I used to love The Cure. I used to love Depeche Mode, Oingo Boingo. Um, I like some punk stuff like Murphy's Law. Um, I, I I really, truly was all over the place. I used to listen to Willie Nelson all the time with my dad. Um, so, I, you know, it was like that. that's where I, that's it's what I, I'm still like that. Whatever mood I'm in is what I put on, you know. I do the same. Do the exact yeah. same thing. People always talk about, you know, like I have a, my my own playlist and it is all over. And they're like, this is from the same playlist. I, I, I get yeah. I get bored. I jump around all the time. That's just Same. what I do. You know, and there'll be a song that I really like one moment in one mood, and then it'll just get on my nerves, you know, when yeah. I'm in a different mood. So, yeah. There you go. All right. Well, that that's it. We knocked them all out. Again, if you want to ask a question to Nicole, it, it's easy. All you have to do is go to the website, perfectlytwistedpod.com, look at Nicole's mailbag, write it in, and we'll try and get it on there. Yes, and please tune in, go to YouTube, watch us, give us a rating, give us a review. Oh, you know what else I just wanted to say? I wanted to give a shout out to to 
the bachelorette because she picked the right guy. She picked Doughton. I just had to say that. I'm never <laughs> usually good at this stuff. And I don't think people usually make the right choices, but she did. And we, our new bachelor is that Joey, who was the runner up, who seems like a, a great guy. But I, I just wanted to bring that up for anybody that was listening. Perfect. <laughs> when I did that Love it. bachelor rundown. So, yeah, good for her. I hope, Love you, it. I hope you get really happy together. Okay, so good see deal. you guys next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening.